Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, here we are in season three of Assurance of Pardon, where we're talking about about hermeneutics, and we spent a lot of time... um, unpacking what hermeneutics was that it's the it's the art and science of interpreting the bible rightly but we had a we had a a a listener to our our show uh jared um ask uh, ask us to uh unpack a little bit and i think this is helpful unpack for people why does this matter why does hermeneutics why does how we interpret the bible why does it really matter? I mean, you say tomato, I say tomato. I mean, isn't the Bible kind of like looking at abstract art? You know, like I, I can lay on my back and gaze up in the clouds and I see an elephant and you say, oh, that's so cool that that's what you see in it. As I lay on my back and I gaze up at the clouds, I see a dump truck. Uh, and we're both, you know, we're both, we're both right. We're both wrong. It really doesn't matter. Um, you say either, I say either. There are people that have that attitude that they bring to the scriptures, that it's whatever, whatever, whatever floats my boat is fine. So don't tell me there's a right way and a wrong way to interpret scripture. So why does this really matter? Uh, Well, I mean, I think it matters primarily because we want to make sure that um, we are accurate in understanding what God is saying to us in his word, right? That there are multiple meanings to the text. There is just one meaning to the text. God is saying this one thing. Um, there are times where maybe he's saying this one thing to David that also has messianic implications or things like that. But primarily there's one meaning to the text. Um, and so when we say, well, you know, like the postmodern error, well, Scott, your meaning is your, that's your truth. And, and my interpretation is, is my, my truth. And, and I, I can read the Bible and interpret however I want to. And however you, you arrive at it is, is okay for you. Um, one, we're, we're then saying that God isn't saying this one thing. And, and we're also, if we're not, not careful, making God to say things he's not saying. And then that, that's a very serious offense. The other thing that we've seen throughout the history of the church is bad hermeneutics uh, harms people. There was a time where preachers got into the pulpit and opened the scriptures and justified a hermeneutic that made it okay for you to own another person. Now, we know that's not okay. But they justified this this inferior, superior class system between 
white people and black people in America, and they used it through hermeneutics. That's that's a harmful hermeneutic. Um, the prosperity gospel is a harmful hermeneutic. I've had family members who um, were retired and on social security and were giving away money that they didn't have to sow a seed of faith because the guy on TV told them to. Right. Right. Um, there are, there are tons of cases there. There was a hermeneutic that was used by David Koresh in Waco. There was a hermeneutic that was used for Jonestown. I mean, there, there are all sorts of examples throughout history um, and throughout the history of the church that bad hermeneutics leads to really harmful conclusions. Yeah. You mentioned the prosperity gospel. You think about how many times uh, people have just been filled with despair, gripped with despair because they've been taught that the Bible teaches that difficulty, calamity, uh, poverty, disease only comes upon those who have weak faith. Or if I find myself in, if I find myself with cancer, if I find myself in a financial difficulty, that I can, through the proper use of exercising my faith, through proper trusting, through giving enough money to ministries, God will, God will reward my, my good deeds there. And I will be if I'm doing it all right, I will be without disease. I will be without poverty. Uh, it's the prosperity gospel, the health and wellness gospel. And those, uh, those charlatans who, who are on TV teaching that, they are preying upon people who have um, a bad understanding of the Bible, of what it says, what its promises are, what its core meaning is. And this is just an, another area where hermeneutics, bad hermeneutics, leads people astray is think about how many throughout the history of the church, how many people have despaired because of date setting. I know when Jesus is going to return. We think of right. Harold Camping, right. the, uh, the, 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 the teacher who's, who set a date Jesus is going to return by this by this particular time. This was just a, in the last decade that this happened, and, and there were there were Christians in that day in Harold Camping's time who believed that if they saved any money whatsoever, if God if God returned and saw that they had money left in their bank account, then it would be taken as a lack of faith that mm. they really trust that he was coming back. So they strategically emptied their wallets, emptied their bank accounts to make sure that when Jesus returned, they didn't have money in the bank stored up as some sort of evidence that they didn't really trust that he was really going to return. And so um, that day came and went, and those poor people are were penniless because of it. They they were they were left in a in a horrible horrible position because somebody came along and and told them I have figured it out from the scriptures when Christ is going to return. So yeah, bad hermeneutics causes despair in in large ways, in large cataclysmic ways, and in small ways. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons we're Presbyterian, right? That the the Reformation started because Luther. And others were realizing that there was bad hermeneutics at play, that there were people that were um, 
teaching using the scriptures as their platform that you needed to buy these indulgences to save your soul from hell and then to spring your loving your family members and loved ones um from hell and, and purgatory if, if you're not careful so you need to give me your money to to secure your your soul and they were using the scriptures to do that and it's when it's from that that hermeneutic and others that the reformers started to go but that's not in the scripture uh, and that's when they also Tyndale and Wycliffe and others started going, if we put the Bible in people's hands, they'll see the same thing we're talking about. If we start pushing for what the church fathers were saying and going back to the original languages and doing our due diligence of the text, you'll see that this is actually really, really problematic. And because of that, 500 plus years later, we're, we're here, right? We're, we're reformed uh, Presbyterians uh, because guys and, and girls of the of the Reformation started going, oh, no, that's not what the scriptures are saying. And this hermeneutic is actually extremely harmful. Um, there's also a bad hermeneutic among the, the scribes and the, and the religious leaders of Jesus's day. You see when um, he's going to heal, um, heal this blind man. Well, he's the, they're teaching that he's blind uh, because of his sin or because of his parents' sin. That's a bad hermeneutic that Jesus has to correct. Uh, but that was, a, that was a belief that if you were paralyzed, if you were lame, if you were leprous, if you were blind, if you had any sort of ill towards you, it was either because you're in sin or your family was in sin. And, and, and so the prosperity gospel, when it teaches that, that if bad things are happening to you because of your lack of faith, that's not anything new. That's just recycled, bad, pharisaical her- hermeneutic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so last week we talked about uh, we talked about Jeremiah twenty nine. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for a future and for a hope, not to harm you. Um, and we talked about how that 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 verse gets ripped from its context and cross stitched on a pillow or embroidered on on something and hung on a refrigerator or adorning your your. Um, it's on the back of your phone case. It's on whoever, and it's and it's and it's it's used in some sort of way as this sort of magic incantation that I can I can claim that as being for me as being my life verse, and 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 basically what I'm doing when I'm doing this I'm taking exact an exacto knife uh, around that passage and clipping that out and and ignoring all the context around that. Well, uh, Gage, there's a there's another verse, a New Testament version. If there's, if if Jeremiah 29 is sort of the Old Testament version of that uh, in its fullness, uh, there is a a verse in the New Testament that that is equally as problematic in that it in that it also is the verse that gets quoted in the New Testament that really sort of says the same thing, at least in that it's used the same way. And that verse, that verse, and I know everybody is probably already guessing what, where we're going with this. That verse is Philippians chapter four, verse 13, which says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Gage, what do we, what do we see most people, uh, unfortunately, um, doing with this text what are they what are they how do they act as though they think what what they think this means well i mean probably most popular is this is the this is the um 
this is the the athletic verse, right? This is the Tim Tebow verse. This is the uh, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes verse where um, we can use this verse to propel us against the other team and, and march us to victory. But then people, maybe it's not related to sports. Maybe it's just related to life that um, this means I can do anything I want to do because the Lord is going to strengthen me to do it. So it, it is all means all right. Yeah. It is prosperity gospel on steroids. Right. You, and, and you've seen it in all sorts of ways. You've seen it in the, the snarky meme that says uh, you can do all things through Christ except come for me, you know, or um, you know, you've, you've seen it on t-shirts, you've seen it on bumper stickers. Uh, this is the, um, if I want to buy this car, if I want to buy this house, if I want to get this new job, if I want to have this new relationship, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It, it doesn't matter if that's actually what the passage is talking about. It doesn't even matter if, if what decision you're wanting to make is actually um, wise for you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord's going to justify my decision making because he's going to strengthen me to do it is how this this harmful hermeneutic is typically interpreted. Yeah. So uh, um, a couple of a couple of famous examples and many of our, our listeners will be familiar with with this is uh, this verse is the verse that um, quite often is the verse that Tim Tebow, the, the football player, has uh, has painted into the, the, the black under the eye paint um, when he's playing football, Philippians 413. Um, and and, and ju- just in case you don't believe that uh, what we're saying about how athletes usually mean this, there was an interview that Tim Tebow gave when he said, uh, he said he chose Philippians 4.13, quote, because there's not a better verse for an athlete. And he says he, he contact when they were getting, getting ready to go into a playoff game, he contemplated changing the passage that he painted under his eyes from Philippians 4.13 to John 3.16. He says, I told uh, my coach, Urban Meyer, and he said, what? Uh, Tim, Philippians 4.13 is what got us here. In other words, let's not change it. I mean, think about what a, think about how that Bible verse is being used as a lucky rabbit's foot. That's not, that's not a, a proper understanding of the Bible. That's superstition. Right. And so... I think we need to do what we did last week and think we just need to read the text and see, um, see what context, um, and, and, and rules we can kind of draw out of you. If you remember last week, we kind of, we said, uh, you know, the first thing we want to do is deal with context. So we want to deal with, um, who the author is, who the audience is, and then we want to read the passage in light of those realities. So, um, here you get, um, uh, as, in every Pauline epistle, you get the author and the audience at the very beginning of the letter. It says chapter one, verse one, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons grace to you and peace from God, our father and Lord Jesus Christ. So even right there, it's not talking to athletes. It's talking to the Philippian church and it's Paul and Timothy here writing this letter. But I would venture to say we don't have to even go back to the beginning of the chapter in Philippians 4 to get proper context for this. 
I think we can use, um, which the divisions in, in your Bible aren't necessarily, um, weren't there in the original uh, manuscript or they're helpful for us to understand. If you just take, typically most Bibles will divide this starting at verse 10. So let's, so let's just read verses 10 to, to 13 uh, and see what it says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, uh, and I know how to abound. Um, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and circumstances and need verse 13 i can do all things through him who strengthens me so we see in this particular context it towards the end of the letter paul is wrapping things up and he's talking about provision that yeah, well let's 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 pause right there though gage where is paul as he's writing this letter he's in jail and we know he's that because of chapter jail. one That's right? right so That's chapter right. chapter one uh, he begins the letter, and he and he's talking to the Philippians, and there there are those that are trying to um, preach out of out of rivalry to Paul. So Paul's in jail, and they're using that as advantage to try to advance their own own name and agenda, and kind of push against what Paul's doing, and basically say, "See, he's in jail. Obviously, what he's saying, God isn't pleased with." And they're they're preaching a rival gospel, and Paul basically says, "I I'm, I'm thankful they're doing it because Jesus is being talked about." But we know in context, chapter one, Paul and Timothy are the writers. The church at Philippi is the audience, more specifically the overseers and the deacons. So the, the, the pastors and the deacons, the two offices in the church, they're the, the immediate audience. And then they're going to share it with the church at Philippi. And Paul's in jail. So by the time you get to chapter four, he is basically wrapping this up and he, and he's a missionary. So he's, he's talking about provision. He said, I rejoice in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, um, but you had no opportunity. So he's basically saying, Hey, I appreciate the fact that you're trying to figure out how to make sure I'm taken care of while I'm in jail, that before you cared about me, but I was fine. You didn't have any opportunity to necessarily show your concern. Now you do because I'm in jail. I need food. I need, need clothing. I need my books. I need, need folks to check on me and I need people to help fight uh, to get me out of here, all, all those things. And then he says, but I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. And he, right. and he, and he paints all these scenarios of I've had a lot and I've had a little, I've had abundance and I've been in need. I've been hungry and I've been, been fine and full regardless of whatever situation I'm in knowing that right now I'm in a not so great situation because I'm in jail regardless of whatever situation I'm in I can do all things what are the all things the all things are I can be in jail I cannot be in jail I can I can be hungry I can be full I can have a lot I can have a little I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me you know, Gage, I think the context of, of where Paul is 
absolutely um, just overturns the contemporary mishandling of this verse. I, I want you to imagine you're a, 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 a writer for People magazine and you do an interview with a, a wealthy tycoon and he's 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 got a, a yacht and he's got a, a penthouse home and he's got a private plane and he helicopters you to his to his penthouse and you look around at all of his kingdom and you say to him, how did you acquire this enormous amount of wealth? And imagine he says to you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Like the, the, you would go, Oh wow. Okay. That's what that means. Right. But what, what's going on here is this is not Paul saying, giving an explanation for how he got it to, to be so lavishly wealthy or so successful. This is a guy who's been beaten and shipwrecked and is in chains and is an innocent sufferer, right? He's not, he's not hurting anybody. He's not, he's, he's in jail and, and he's, and, and the question is, and you say, Paul, how in the world are you able to endure this. And what's his answer? I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so the, the, the context is, is, but we take it and we spin it exactly 180 degrees. And, and as, and as such, we've, we've just turned it into a, into a, a, a rabbit's foot that we think is going to bring us success, bring us. And so hence it's on T, Tim Tebow's eyes. Uh, and hence it's on, it's on Evander Holyfield's boxing trunks. And there's an MMA fighter, John Jones, who has it tattooed across his chest. So I guess that as he's on top of a guy beating the snot out of him, that guy can open his bloodied swollen eyes and look and read that this is God empowering this man to beat him. I mean, it, 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 I, I, uh, um, and and what's the answer? The answer is hermeneutics. The answer is is context. The answer is handling the scriptures rightly, because w- what what happens if what happens if we claim Philippians four thirteen, and it doesn't bring us the success that we expect? Right. So I, I guess my thing would be, um, if you look on later on in Tim Tebow's career. He goes on to the NFL. Um, he has a really good season with the Broncos. And then after that, he's kind of tossed to and, to and fro from different teams. He tries to um, become a professional baseball player at one point, and it doesn't really necessarily take off. By the, the logic and the hermeneutic of this verse, meaning I, anything that I do, if I, if I use the incantation that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as like the, the secret sauce, like this is uh, space jam and it's the, it's the water that Michael Jordan drinks to, to empower himself. Right. Like if that, if that's the thing um, that you use by that logic, Tim should have been, you know, the Bo Jackson of baseball. He should have been, uh, the uh, Joe Montana of quarterbacks. Like it should have everything he should have touched. It should have had the Midas touch. It should have been gold every single time, but that's not what happened, right? That he ended up getting a, a second 
really, really successful career in broadcasting. And that's great. Yeah. Let's be really clear. We, we, we don't want to throw our brother Tim Tebow under the bus. We, we, right. we, we think we don't think he has ill motives. Uh, and, and our prayer is that as he, as his football career ends and uh, that he, that he's able to handle that well, because, uh, because his faith is in Christ. Right. Right. Um, it, and so we're, we're not, um, we're not suggesting that he's that he is right now despairing, right? Right. But we we are suggesting that the use of Philippians four thirteen in athletics, in uh, cross stitched on a pillow and given as sort of a good luck charm, is is incredibly problematic. Um, and 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 I do think that when when T, Tim Tebow says in interviews, I believe Philippians four thirteen is what got me this far. In, in football, I better not change it. Then, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. For sure. And, and, and it leads to, um, you know, the Joel Osteen's of the world um, preaching this pros- prosperous um, theology um, and using the scripture to, to advance their health, wealth, and, and, and happiness. So that let's say you recently went through a divorce let's say you lost a child let's say you got a cancer diagnosis let's let's say you lost your house in a tornado when when life hits you in such a way as, as it has for many even this year right we've all kind of lamented to where 2020 is now like a an overabundant um for all things bad you know, um, if you look at Philippians four thirteen as this, um, as this incantation for all things good, when bad things happen to you, you're going to think somehow God's punishing you, or you're going to see think somehow that you don't have enough faith, or that you did something wrong, and and that's that's just bad theology. That's that's harmful. That's unhelpful. Um, that's problematic. And so we, we want you guys to be informed. Yeah, our, our this is not a hard process to get here. This was once, just as we found with Jeremiah 29 last week, it doesn't take... In, it doesn't take Greek. It doesn't take Hebrew. It doesn't take a master's in divinity from a seminary. This is simple stuff that it, you just need, uh, you just need to, to widen out, zoom out, read the broader context, and ask critical questions when you hear Bible verses being employed, saying, is that what's meant there? Is that a proper understanding? Or are we mishandling the scripture? Uh, because I, I, I love Jesus and I don't want to mishandle his words to me. Yeah, that absolutely matters. It, it matters for us to make sure we're saying um, what Jesus is saying, what this, what the spirit intended. Otherwise we're um, basically bringing false testimony against the holy and righteous God. And that's, I don't, I don't want to do that at all. Um, so hopefully you found this helpful and we'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. Uh, any, you know, Jared, thank you for your question. Uh, we would encourage anybody to, to continue to send in your questions. Um, one last thing we do uh, want to announce is kind of some housekeeping. Uh, we would love more um, re- reviews with our uh, podcasts, particularly with uh, those that are Apple listeners. Um, so we're going to do a fun contest. 
if you would leave us a five-star review, if it, if you think it's a two-star review, please don't do that. Just send us a message and figure out, uh, maybe we can figure out what we can do to, to gain the other stars. But if you would leave us a five-star review and talk about how this um, podcast has been beneficial to you, if you'll screenshot that, um, and then you can uh, send it to us at our contact at assuranceofpardon.com through our email, or if you want to message us, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, we're going to take all those um, screenshots and we're going to draw one randomly um, for a, a um, giveaway to be named at a later date. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're so grateful. We, we just hit 7,000 downloads in about nine months of podcasting. And so we're super excited for the wonderful reception we've been receiving from everybody. Absolutely. And be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or visit our website at assuranceofpardon.com. And as always, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.